Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. We are in the middle of an amazing series of studies, three cosmic messages, a vital topic today, Satan's final deceptions. But we don't want you just to be experts on his deceptions. We want you to sense the need to draw closer to Jesus mm -hmm. than ever before. Amen. So we're glad you joined us for Hope Sabbath School. And welcome to the team. Good to be together again. Yeah. Great. I'm excited, Travis. You're going to lead us in this important study of uh, Satan's final deceptions. And let's see, we've got Nicholas joining us. Nicholas, good to see you again on Hope Sabbath School. Jamie Jean, good to see you again. And we've got one more. Rodney, good to see you, Rodney. It's always great to have our remote team members with us. And uh, we just uh, got, got an email from someone saying, I love the remote team members. They didn't even say we love you too. But I know what you meant because it broadens uh, the base of sharing together. So thanks, uh, Nicholas and Jamie Jean and Rodney for joining us today. And thank you for writing to us wherever you are around the world. We're always really excited. Did I look excited? <laughs> when you write to us because it lets us know that God is using this program, this in-depth interactive study of the Word of God to bless your heart and to bless others through you. So write to us at sshope at hopetv.org. We would love to hear from you. Thank you, Emma. Emma writes from Georgia in the United States and says, I regularly watch Hope Sabbath School on my TV via Roku. Mm -hmm. It's one of the platforms. I live in Calhoun, Georgia. What I appreciate most about Hope Sabbath School is the comments that the class members make, especially, listen carefully, what do you think? Testimony. Their personal mm -hmm. testimonies. Mm -hmm. I also appreciate being able to read the text along with them as they read. The ending comments given to share what we've learned are also inspiring. Thank you one and all for your contributions. May God continue to bless the ministry of Hope Sabbath School. Amen? Amen. Amen. She adds, I contribute as I'm able. And that's what God uh, enjoys a cheerful giver, doesn't he? Amen. He loves us all, but he loves to see a cheerful giver. <laughs> Trying to get to the next note here, and it's a Facebook note from Wayne. And Wayne says, we've got about 179,000 followers on our Facebook page. By the way, you can visit if you use Facebook. I would like to thank all of the Hope Sabbath School team members for their insights into the studies I watch on YouTube. Well, that's a good place to watch. We, I think, just passed 88,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. So if you watch there, we're glad you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. I really appreciate the help it's given me to be a more faithful follower of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> God bless in all that you do as a team to bring the good news to anyone who will look and listen and choose to follow Jesus. Amen. Well, Wayne, thanks for writing to us uh, on our Facebook page. We are definitely thankful that you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Here's a handwritten note, and it comes to us from Virginia, here in the United States of America. Just wanted to thank you so much for Hope Sabbath School. My husband and I are so grateful for the studies. We're often unable to attend church, but we enjoy Hope Sabbath School. 
Amen. After teaching a Sabbath school class for many years, it's great to sit at home and feel like you're part of the class. Well, you know who you are. If Travis asks a question, you can raise your hand. Right, Travis? <laughs> I might not know who they are. You might not know who they are, but we will appreciate your interaction. Thanks to everyone, you have become our Sabbath school friends. Amen. May God bless everyone on the team as you minister for our Lord and Savior Jesus, and a gift of $1,000 to bless the ministry of Hope Sabbath School. Thank you. God bless you there in Virginia. And uh, to each one of you, we're a donor-supported ministry. Someone says, Derek, I could help with $10. Praise God. Someone may help with $10,000, but whatever it is, give it with a joyful heart and say, I want people to know the truth about Jesus before he returns in glory. I want them to be part of his eternal kingdom. Is that right? That's why we do what we do. One last note from Veronica in Liberia. Liberia, anywhere? Anyone know? Where is that? Africa. That's West Africa, isn't it? My name is Veronica. I've been monitoring your program from Bong County, Liberia. I love Hope Sabbath School. Amen. I first, first used to worship on Sunday, but now, through a study of God's Word, I learned about the Sabbath truth. Amen. I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And by God's grace, my family is blessed. Amen. Well, I just want to say, Veronica from uh, Liberia, just hearing that one email makes this whole thing worthwhile. Because if Jesus would leave the Son of God come Amen. into humanity for one person because he loves us so much, uh, what a joy to hear your testimony. Amen. Well, before we sing our theme song, I have to remind you about the valuable gift we have for you during this series. It's the book by Pastor Mark Finley, three cosmic messages. Now, it's a digital copy because we couldn't afford to send books all over the world, but through a digital delivery, we can give that book to you. Thanks to Pastor Mark Finley and Heart Books Generosity, we can send a copy to you, Hope Sabbath School member, as a free gift. All you have to do, you said, I did it already, okay. But if you didn't, or if you want to share with a friend, Go to hopetv.org slash hopess, click on the free gift button, and you'll learn how you can download a copy of that really valuable resource by Pastor Mark Finley, Three Cosmic Messages. While you're there at the website, you can download our theme song, the sheep music. Right now, we need your help to sing our theme song together. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name. 
I remember complaining one time, having to sing in front of people. And the Spirit of the Lord rebuked me and said, Derek, you still don't understand. This is not about you. This is about me. And I'm just thinking, Travis, tens of thousands of people around the world singing. And it must sound beautiful to God, even though we may not all have the greatest voice because we're worshiping God in spirit and truth. And I'm looking forward, Travis, to our study. Why don't you lead us in prayer? Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we study the final deceptions that will come upon this world, we just pray that you will give each and every one of us the... Uh, the um, how do I want to say it, Lord? The encouragement mm. uh, to look to him who is the way, the truth, yes. and the life. Yes. Lord, in a world that seems to be spitting out of control, we just need truth and we need to know that we belong. Yes. And I just pray that that is the center of our study today as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, for those watching, you couldn't see Rodney as a remote, but he was singing, Just in True Are Your Ways. O King of the Saints, with this huge smile on his face. <laughs> I say that because they could all see you. So I'm going to pick on you, Rodney. First, if you would read Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, we're talking about the deceptions of Satan. Praise the Lord, we can sing. Just and true are your ways, O King of the Saints. Would you read Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, Rodney? With pleasure. A reading from the New King James Version, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. 
he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So here the Bible um, describes Satan as deceiving the whole world. Mm -hmm. Is this to be taken literally or is this a hyperbole? (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) Nisha, you want to? Yes, so I I definitely think that it's to be taken quite literally because the deception that we have known of Satan so far has been literal. He has chosen to deceive and as a result, people have fallen, including from the very beginning beginning of time, two very perfect people who were in communion with God were deceived and fell. And since that time, uh, including me, have been deceived by Satan and fall. So I know that deception by Satan is real. Mm-hmm. Well, so, uh, and I'm going to refer to the Bible, a Bible verse that says, all have sinned and fallen short. Mm-hmm. So all of us have been deceived a time or two. Mm-hmm. But as the world closes, will the whole world be deceived or will they come to know the truth? Mm-hmm. Maybe we should look at a few Bible verses, right? That uh, talk about this. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 14. Hope. Would you mind reading Second uh, Corinthians 11, 13 to 14? And I believe Nisha's right. All of us have been deceived, but, mm-hmm. but, we will, but God is providing all of us the opportunity to come to know him who is the way, the truth, uh-huh. and the mm-hmm. life. Praise God. Would you read that for us, Hope? Absolutely. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, version 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 14. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Mm. Thank you for reading that, Hub. And uh, Nicholas, do you mind reading Matthew chapter 24, verse 24? Again, we're talking about the deceptions of Satan. Will the whole world be deceived in the end? Or will some come to the knowledge of the truth of Jesus and be saved? Go ahead. And read that for us, if you yes. would, please, Nicholas. Matthew 24, 24. This is from the New King James Version. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Amen. Okay, so after reading these verses, will everyone be deceived? No. And the end, at the end, will everyone be deceived? Go ahead, Jason. So there's a point where everyone is deceived in the sense that all have sinned and fallen short of glory of God. But will the deception continue? No, because there is truth. And so when there is truth, there's an opportunity and some, a large part, will accept that truth. And when you accept that truth, you're no longer deceived by Satan. So what you're saying is we can be deceived, but we don't have to stay deceived. Ah. Yes. Right? We don't have to stay deceived. Uh, anyone else have a comment? Otherwise, I have a few verses I would like you to read. Oh, Nicholas has a comment. Nicholas, uh, go ahead and share with us your thought. Yes, I think uh, Matthew 24, 24 reminds me as well that uh, anyone can be deceived no matter how much of the truth we think we know or how much we think we're prepared. We need to cling to Christ and look always to him because if we don't, we can be deceived because Satan t- seeks to deceive if possible, even the elect. We're thrown that little disclaimer in there, if possible, the very elect, which, which seems to imply that it's not possible, especially when we know him who's the way, the truth, and the life, to be deceived if we don't want to. Yes, Samantha. Yeah, so and as going back to that Matthew um, 24, 24, where it says, if possible, even the elect. And if you go to verse 31 of Matthew 24, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will garner together his elect from the four winds 
from one um, end of heaven to the other. Mm -hmm. So here we have, it says if it were possible, that means, it, I mean, it's a great deception. But then if we don't stand strong, we will fall. And so God has the elect out there, those people who will, he will, who Matthew 24, 31 talks about that. He'll send his angels to gather. Mm -hmm. mm, amen. Those who accepted Jesus as their savior, Rodney, and then we're going to move on. Praise God that every phase of um, humans, humans existence, there's always been a remnant, those who don't go along with what everyone else is doing, but just paying attention to what God wants them to do. You see that when uh, in Noah's time, uh, yes, there were eight, N not the masses, but there were eight. And so it is with, with in the last days, you will have a remnant who will be focused on Jesus. Mm. You know, Rodney, mm -hmm. I'm reminded of a time when I had a relative tell me because he was asking me questions about what I was doing. He asked me the question, why I did what I did. And I said, well, I think I want to follow Jesus. And he says, I think the majority of the world does it this way. I think I'll go with the majority. That's a dangerous thing, isn't it, Rodney? Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, deception. Um, the, world, or the Bible says that he went to deceive the whole world. Praise God, the whole world will not be deceived. Stephanie, I would like you to read Revelation chapter 12 and then verse uh, 12, 11 and then verse 17. We're going to look at these Bible verses to get some assurance uh, that not everyone will be deceived by Satan's lie. Would you read that for us? Sure. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Mm. Verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a group of people that seem that they're not being deceived. Well, they don't seem. They gained victory. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. In, Re in Revelation chapter 15, verse 2, and I'll have Jamie Jean read that if you would for us, please. Um, we're given another description of a group of people who are not deceived. Mm -hmm. Jamie Jean, would you read that for us? Yes. Revelation 15, verse 2, the NASB says, And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and the number of his name standing on the sea of glass holding hearts of God. <laughs> we, should be, we should get excited, Derek. Yeah. By the way, who could, be over, who could be victorious? Who could overcome? The whole world. Anyone, right, anyone can do that. That, that free gift is offered to anyone. We don't have to think, I could never do it. Oh, yes, you can. God, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he will lead you into all truth through the Holy Spirit. Well, what are some of the, um, the lies that are promoted today? Does, can any of you t tell me, what are some of the lies that Satan is promoting today? Samuel. I think one lie that's very common is that God himself doesn't exist. Mm. You know, through the teaching of evolution, you know, he undermines the existence of God himself. And also through many uh, you know, other religious systems, tend to give the idea that there are many roads that leads to the same God, you know, where truth is relative. These are some of the prominent lies. 
And the Bible teaches there is one road, right? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jamie Jean, you had a comment. Yes, I think one that comes from pop culture is this YOLO idea. You, you live only one life. And so you do what you want, you know, follow your heart, um, live your truth, enjoy all there is to enjoy with no... I know a concept of the possibility of an eternity with God. Mm. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, Nicholas. I think another one that's common uh, of Satan's deceptions, even in religion, is that we have to work to earn God's favor. And uh, we have to be someone special or um, put forth certain effort in order for God to accept us. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you have to either be someone great uh, to have value. You're not valued just the way you are. Samantha? Um, one deception is the immortality of the soul. The immortality know, of the soul. Thinking that the soul mm. lives on. But we know from the Bible that for the living know that they will die. I mean, but the dead knows nothing. So mm -hmm. that's one of those lies of Satan. I've shared with some people that my, my grandparents were involved with the occult. And, and one of the things that, um, praise God, my father came to know Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I've noticed recently is this deception that there's like white magic and black magic. Mm -hmm. and, and like there's good demonic activity and bad mm -hmm. demonic activity. Mm -hmm. That is a total deception of the enemy. And yet we see it even in popular books that people read that, yeah, well, you can do this magic because these curses and these things are the good kind and these are the bad kind. And the Bible says it's all an abomination. Mm. So I think that's another thing that, uh, another last day deception of the enemy. Thank you for sharing that. So Rodney has your hand up, but I'm gonna ask, actually ask you a question and put you on the spot. And that is, who will Satan use Rodney um, to, to, to promote these deceptions uh, as the earth comes to its close. Travis, he will use any and everything and anyone. Um, you see his deceptions through music. You see it through traditions, cultures, the internet, social media. Even in the church, you, he will use individuals in the church to persuade us to go off track from, from Jesus. So he's using, especially now, because the Bible says that his time is short, he's using everything possible to ensure that our eyes are kept off Jesus. Wow. Mm. So what would be more dangerous to have maybe someone who doesn't believe in God, an atheist promoting something, um, a lie of Satan, or someone from church? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Both right, they're both dangerous, <laughs> that's right. But uh, Jason, you wanted to make a comment. Yeah, he can even use our own families, sadly. Mm. Someone close to us, people we can trust. He'll use mm -hmm. anything. And I yeah. like what you said, Derek, it's all dangerous because deception is deception. Mm -hmm. And um, to be lost is to be lost. Well, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 and 2. Zandili, would you read that for us? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 and 2, um, the Apostle Paul gives a warning to Timothy, a, uh, a prophecy about the last days. And uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 and 2, would you share with us, Azandili, what the Bible says? 
Sure, and I'll be reading from the New International Version and uh, First Timothy 4 says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings came through hypocritical liars. Those conscious have been snared as with a hot iron. So here we see the Apostle Paul telling Timothy that as the, the last days approach, the end of time approaches, Christians claiming to be people of God will depart from their, their uh, faith and they will, they will begin to de deceive the world. Pedro, um, what do you think about that? Have you seen that? Um, I mean, you're a pastor. Have you seen um, even Christians promoting um, things that aren't true in the world? Yes, and definitely we see in our society that people have taken the, the name of Christ in vain mm -hmm. by adding adjectives to the name of Christ and say, I'm a Christian, but I'm a progressive Christian, I'm a conservative Christian, I'm a Republican mm -hmm. Christian, I'm a Democratic Christian, I'm a Christian from this country or that country. And are, are, we, uh, are we battling the same things that Paul was battling when he wrote 1 Corinthians? And I think that's what we see today. People are attaching their tradition, their thinking, their own gospel to the gospel of Christ mm. inside the church. So I have a question for you, Pedro. Mm. So you're telling me that adding the name Christian to something doesn't make it Christian? <laughs> no. <laughs> I agree with you. Well, we have to be careful about trusting in our own. Um, you know, we have to be careful about trusting um, ourselves, right? I'm going to have you read uh, from Proverbs, Nisha, Proverbs chapter 14, 12. Why is trusting in our own wisdom inadequate, especially as the, the end of the world approaches? Now I'll be reading from the New King James Version. There is a way that seems right to, to a man, but its end is the way of death. Okay, Nisha, help us out with that. What do you think this verse is telling us, especially in the, con in the context that Satan is trying to deceive the world? You know, it, it reminds me of another verse that says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your own understanding and don't lean on your own um, and acknowledge him in your, all your ways and he will direct you. I think in all things, it's very easy to get confident that we understand or know something right. um, and not recognize that our wisdom and understanding, as the Bible tells us, actually comes from God. And so the more self-reliant we can get, um, then the more we depart from God and we at all times need to hear His voice and that of the Holy Spirit to actually be guided into all truth because that's what the Holy Spirit is for. Amen. You know, um, Nicholas read from Matthew 24, 24 earlier, it says even the very elect can be deceived. Mm -hmm. We don't want to think ourselves too smart to be deceived, right? Lean, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Rodney. I agree so much with Nisha, and, and this is another deception that the devil uses quite often, which is uh, you often hear out there, trust your, trust your conscience to guide you on what is right and what is wrong. Well, clearly the Bible is telling us that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So if we try to trust our own emotions and our own consciences, because we're so um, we're in a world that is, is sinful, we're going to be misguided. Mm -hmm. the, the guide for us is the, is, is the word of God. Amen. And here it is now where we are living in a world, Travis, 
where we have an enemy that has a master's degree, a bachelor's degree, a PhD degree in, in, in deception. He made the curriculum. So mm -hmm. our guide is the word of God and of course the Holy Spirit leading us. Mm -hmm. You know, Rodney, I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking the Bible is more important now than ever, Amen. right? It is. Uh, praise God uh, that, we can, that we have this Bible. Maybe we don't cherish it as much as we should. Mm. Samuel, I'll take a comment from you and then we're going to move on. Sure. And talking about this verse, uh, you know, sometimes when we come to study the Bible, we have our own ideas mm -hmm. that we want to see from seeing the Bible. And so we come with our preconceived ideas. We look at the Bible and we think, okay, you know, Bible justifies what I think. And that's mm. unfortunately mm -hmm. how many people come to very unscriptural conclusions that the Bible doesn't even warrant. And so that is also one of the ways where, you know, it seems right to us, but the end is end of destruction. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I, you know, when I studied, I was taught that that was exegesis or eisegesis. Mm -hmm. We can let God speak to us through the scripture, or we could go with our own predetermined thoughts and make scripture say what, it's, what we want it to say. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to talk about Satan's first lie. And uh, Jason, I would like you to read for, from Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 4. And, uh, and then I want, when we're done reading, I would like you to, to point out to us from the text, what was Satan's first lie? Okay, New King James Version says, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Mm. So Jason, what is the lie here? Well, there is an obvious one in verse 4, but there's kind of a deceptive one earlier on. The obvious one is that you shall not surely die, but there's a deceptive lie about God saying you can't eat of every tree because uh, it's only uh, the one tree that they clint. So there, the lie is sort of a twisting of God's words in the beginning, and then there's an obvious you shall not die. You know, I love that you brought that point out, Jason, because God gives them a plethora of choices, mm. more options than they could even choose from. And only one thing. And by the way, he only told them to stay away because he didn't want them to die. That was the point. Yep. And here Satan presents a, pl a, uh, a plethora of things that God wants them to stay away yep. from. And actually, that wasn't the truth at all. Yep. But he told them what? They would not surely die. die. Well... Satan has continued to promote that deception. Mm. And we want to read in Daniel chapter 2, verse 2. Stephanie, if you'd read Daniel chapter 2, verse 2, and then I'm going to have Samantha read Revelation 18, 23. We're going to take a look at how Satan has promoted this very lie that he told way back in the Garden of Eden. All right, Daniel 2, verse 2, in the New King James Version. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. Thank you for reading that, Stephanie. Samantha, would you read? 
Revelation 18, verse 23, I will read from the New King James Version. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. Okay, I'm going to have to have some help here from the team. How was Satan promoting, after we just read these two verses, how was Satan promoting the lie from Genesis? What's mm -hmm. he using to do this? Uh, Jamie Jean. Well, he's using sorcery or communication with the dead. So if you can communicate with the dead, then they're not, your soul's not dead. And so it's a manipulation of our understanding of death. So um, he's using sorcery to promote mm -hmm. um, that uh, dead people are speaking or talking. Uh, I can think of a, um, a time in the Bible where a deception was given to a king that way, right? Um, Hope, did you have a comment? Yes, um, I think one of the main ways that Satan promotes this deception is through entertainment because if you turn on your television, if you pick up a magazine or a book, you're almost guaranteed to see something that is promoting this deception of you can communicate with dead or you um, you shall not surely die, basically. Like, it's everywhere. It's saturating True. all of the entertainment industries. So Hope is talking about um, secular media. So he's using secular media to do this. Sandile. Uh He also uses the culture because some cultures, uh, people still believe that when a loved one die, they proceed and go into higher heavens mm -hmm. and they become a protective angel, they guide over us the living. So I still believe he still uses a culture as well. So in certain cultures, you say religious culture, um, he is uh, pr promoting this idea that uh, they become an angelic being and are, are protecting uh, the family, Samuel. No, I come from India where Hinduism is the predominant religion and in Hinduism, you know, it's this old thing is the karma. Karma is the debt that you owe and if you do good, when you die, your soul becomes into a better being where eventually you become a god. Mm -hmm. If you do more bad things, then your, your soul, you degrade from being a human to an animal or to an object and so, you know, that is again a lie of mm -hmm. Satan where, you know, this immortality of the soul is being purported. Mm. Well, Satan has used uh, many different avenues. Uh, uh, you know what, Jamie Jean, I would like to take your comment before I move on. Sorry, I was also going to say he even uses various Christian faiths because oftentimes to comfort people, um, a lot of people believe that when someone dies, they're in a better place, they're in heaven. And even some believe in praying to like the apostles and and certain people and asking them to look over them in certain situations. Thank you for sharing that, Jamie. We've discovered as we've been studying the lies of Satan that he will use anybody. Mm -hmm. yep. It might be a culture. It may be an aunt or an uncle. Um, it may be even um, a, a fellow brother or sister. He, he will use anybody who's willing to be used and maybe even unknowingly mm -hmm. used. Well. I praise God for the Bible because we are going to read some Bible texts that expose this deception that Satan has been oh, just spreading across the world. Romans chapter 6 verse 23, 
I'm going to have Nicholas read that for us. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And then I'm going to have uh, Samantha read Ezekiel 18, verse 4. Would you read that for us, Nicholas? Yes, absolutely. Romans 6, verse 23. I am reading from the New King James Version. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, Nicholas, I want you to stay with us for a second and explain what it means when it says the wages of sin is death, especially in the context of our study. Yes, so we know that uh, each one of us, our souls aren't immortal because we've all sinned. And therefore, uh, this consequence is, is given to us as a result of our sin. And yet, um, we know that only in God, not in our works or anything we do, um, as was mentioned earlier, but God has given us grace so that if we accept him, our end result with him will be eternal life uh, mm. with Jesus. So the wages of sin is death. So we don't live on forever. Okay, would you read, Samantha, from Ezekiel for us? Ezekiel 18, verse 4, from the New King James Version. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father, as well as the soul of the Son, is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Samantha, I'm going to ask you to explain that verse to us. The soul that sins shall die. What is what does that verse say? Um, well, it says, the way if we sin, we die, but we have... Jesus, he died for us so that we don't have to experience that, the death after that. And if I believe that I'm naturally immortal, I don't yes. need Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah, but, but we, we I don't need a savior, right? We'll all continue, whether it's Hinduism or apostate Christianity that teaches an immortal soul. Mm. Um, yeah, of course, even in Christianity, we wouldn't need a resurrection if we went to heaven right away. So there's so much there. And I think uh, people without realizing it, it, like Hope said in entertainment, they, they just absorb this idea, you know, mm -hmm. that, that you're just going to go on some way uh, after you die. When the Bible says you sleep in death until a resurrection and judgment if you have not accepted Christ. And Derek, somebody might say, What's the difference what I believe? And then I'm going back to what Nisha read in Proverbs. There's a way that seems right to a man, right? But the end thereof is death, mm -hmm. right? It's good only to trust in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, Pedro. And I think it's important to understand here an aspect of death, the misunderstanding of the word soul. Because many times people say, well, the soul, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something outside of the body. We know that w the human being is a soul. And even the soul that many people claim that live eternally dies here. Mm -hmm. So uh, those two verses are making sure that the person is, is going to die. That if you're thinking that there's two types of individuals inside of you, which we know that is untruth, even those that claim there's a soul is eternal, the Bible claims that the soul dies as and, well. And Pedro, you're speaking also of Genesis where it says, God breathed into the man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. I believe that's Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we don't have a soul. We are a soul, yes. right? You know, I know that being a pilot, because when I would have to fill out my uh, paperwork when I would fly, it would ask how many souls are on board. And that's the question it would ask.
So um, that's a biblical, yeah, how many people? A soul is a person. Mm -hmm. So, well, thank you for that. Well, I want to read, Jason, I'm going to ask you to read, if you would, from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 5 and 6. Because I want to see from the Bible, but the Bible is the truth, right? I want to see from the Bible how much activity people have on earth after they die. The New King James Version says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 5 and 6, For the living know they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also, their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. In the context of that verse, Jason, if I have someone come to me and say, I was sleeping last night and I saw my mother standing at the foot of the bed. In the context of that verse, um, would that be truth or a lie? Or would that be a deception from Satan? That would be a deception, sadly, probably from Satan, because the Bible says quite clearly that when a person has died, if the mother has died, no more memory, no more love, no more experience, they're dead. That's that's it until, you know, there's, say, a second coming. But this is on this earth. That's it. So that would be a deception of Satan. It would be a deception from Satan. Rodney. Travis, I I'm so delighted that you're guiding us through the Word of God as you are because we are seeing in different places in the Bible the same concept about death. Uh, may I read one more, if that, if that helps, uh, from John 5, verses 28 to 29? Is oh, okay? those are some of my favorite verses, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> Not just because that they prove that Satan's lying about this. I have a mother who is awaiting the resurrection. <laughs> I can't wait to see her. So yeah, go ahead and read those if you would from, for me. Thank you so much, Travis. John chapter 5, uh, verses 28 and 29. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice mm -hmm. and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. That might be a hard verse for some, Rodney, but because we've all done evil, right? But the good thing to do is to accept Jesus as your Savior because you'll be part of the first resurrection. <laughs> and then you don't have to worry about the second resurrection. None of us want to be, nobody watching wants to be part of that resurrection and we don't have to be deceived if we follow him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for reading those verses for us, uh, Rodney. That was, um, I can't wait until that day. By the way, in 1 Thessalonians 4, that, that is reiterated. It says the Lord will return with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise, right? So it's confirmed again in the Thessalonians. So uh, I just, it's a beautiful idea. So by the way, somebody might be thinking my loved one has died. And so it brings them comfort to know that they would be in heaven. They would, you know, if they, I've always believed that, but they're not suffering right now. They're just sleeping a peaceful sleep, awaiting that call. And of course, I believe it will be by name, as was with Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. My mom's name was Betty Jo. Betty Jo, come forth. And she will hear that and come forth to the resurrection of life. It's a beautiful thing. 
So no one is suffering right now, even though they've passed away, but awaiting that glorious day, that family reunion, when Jesus will come in the clouds of glory. You know, I used to ask the question, Travis, if they're sleeping and they don't know anything, how will they hear when Jesus calls them? How did Lazarus hear? And someone explained it to me, and it was just a, a just kind of an amazing revelation. They said the power of the word of Jesus is so powerful that in the milliseconds it takes for his word to reach Betty Joe or Lazarus or whoever, the miracle is accomplished. <laughs> they are raised and they hear him call. It's not like they've been listening to all of the trials you've been going through and all of the evil going on. They were sleeping. But in that millisecond of, of God speaking and it stood fast, mm. they are raised to life again. And I thought that was a beautiful thought. I know you're waiting for your mother too. I, you're looking forward too. to that day, right? Yes, I am. Mm. I am too, Derek. Well, let's move along in our study because, well, this isn't the only deception, right? This immortality of the soul. Uh, by the way, before we, I just want to reiterate, the Bible says that God alone has immortality, yeah. right? So we want to make sure we remember that. Yeah. Well, let's look at Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3, and I'm going to have Pedro read that. Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3. Would you read that? We want to talk about the clear teachings of the Bible regarding the Sabbath, because the Sabbath... We've talked about this in prior studies, yeah. but it's really one of, the, uh, one of the things that Satan is trying to deceive the world. Why? Well, we're going to find out as we study. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, uh, Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. You know, Pedro, people have come to me and said, you know, that's a Jewish thing. I have a question. Were there Jews back in Eden? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> this is a God thing, right? The Bible says that, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was a gift that God gave even at creation for mankind. We're going to read um, Exodus chapter 28 through 11, and I'm going to have Jamie Jean read that. Jamie Jean, would you read um, Exodus chapter 28 through 11? Yes. The NASB says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Well, here again, we see it reiterated in the Ten Commandments. It's given again in Deuteronomy chapter 5 in the second rendering or the second giving of the Ten Commandment law. We've been studying the three cosmic messages, and it's given, Nisha, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 7. Would you read, for, read that for us? Because I believe it's the, the, the largest quote 
um, uh, of the Old Testament in the book of Revelation, almost word for word for what uh, was just read. Revelation 14.7 from the New King James Version says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. So help us break that down, Nisha. How is that related to what we just heard Jamie Jane read? Well, those are the same words that we hear from the Ten Commandments. So we know that um, at the end of time, that this idea of the Sabbath once again comes forth um, for people to understand that it is important uh, to worship God in the way that God has instructed. You know, Nisha, I was looking through the Bible. Um, I was looking at King David and all the writers of the Bible and over and over, they were calling upon God as an, and talking about God as their creator. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see that theme all the way through scripture and here, God is appealing to those who are reading, who don't who want to be part of the first resurrection, right? Yeah. Who, who don't want to be deceived to come to know and worship God as creator, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Let's look, um, well, Satan has attempted to um, disregard the Sabbath. How, is, how has Satan tried to do that? How has he tried to get the Sabbath to be set aside? I see you're smiling, Stephanie. He makes it as if that it doesn't matter which day we have to worship. Um, just any day would work. Um, but the problem with that, when Satan does that, he's not only taking away creation, God as creator, but also God as recreator. Mm. And we see that he, God wants to give us a new heart. Mm. And a new heart will keep us close to him so we're not deceived. You know, th- just the fact that we know God is our creator, it gives us value. Mm. If we're just some random thing that exists, our value is gone. But the fact that God is our creator, it, it just means we have infinite value. Mm. And I love the fact that we can call on God. He has made us and he loves us. He wants to take care of us. Samuel, you had a comment. You know, um, many Christians believe this idea of theistic evolution. That is, God used evolution to create the world. If that is the case, then the earth was not created in six literal days. And so if God, you know, Mm. if the creation was not, you know, literal 24-hour period, then Sabbath is not a literal period. And so he, uh, you know, he disregards the Sabbath through this lie. Well, the majority of the world worships on Sunday, right? And um, this isn't just some, something that happened in the last couple hundred years. This is something that even um, took place way back in uh, Bible times, way back in the time of Ezekiel. Would you read for us, Hope, from Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 16? Absolutely. Um, Ezekiel 8, verse 16. Mm -hmm. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and there at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they were worshiping the sun toward the east. 
You know, it's interesting, Hope, I was reading this, and he goes through a list of abominations. Each one gets greater and greater, and this seems to be the greatest abomination. Here they are, worshiping the sun with their backs to the temple. Rodney, when did, when did this idea of Sunday worship come into the church? Um, and how did Satan use these political powers to enforce this day of the sun? You know, it's interesting, Travis, that if you if we go back to history, we will find that there's a gentleman by the name of Constantine, uh, somewhere in AD 321. He actually, um, he passed a law that, uh, it, it wasn't a, a Sunday law per se, but he, he, he passed an edict that stated, on the venerable day of the sun, let the magistrates and the people residing in the cities rest and let all workshops be closed. So it was a soft way of, 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 of um, uh, using the law of the land to enable the worship um, on, on Sundays. And then afterwards, you no know, decades after, we had the emperors and the popes who actually mm -hmm. continued to use that and actually formalized it as, as a part of the state. So you can see in history, how the devil is you actually using individuals along the path to help us help trying to dissuade the world from the true south mm. nisha why is satan so opposed to the sabbath yeah there there are several verses in the bible including in ezekiel that tell us that the sabbath is actually a sign between god and us mm. and i think that mm. anything that um satan can remove uh, in connection between us and god he will do mm. Yeah, I think that's found in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12 and 20, verse 20. It's a sign between them and me that I, they may know that I'm the Lord who sanctifies them. Mm. So we're saved by grace. And a Sabbath is a reminder mm. that I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Isn't that a beautiful concept? Yeah. Well, we have to move on. What appeal did uh, the Lord give through the prophet Ezekiel? Um, well, I'm going to have you read that verse for us, uh, 20, Ezekiel chapter 20, but 19 through 20. I want to include verse 19. All right. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes, keep my judgments, and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be assigned between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Okay. So the Sabbath becomes a sign mm -hmm. that God is our Lord and Savior. Not only that, He is our Creator. Jason, Revelation 14, 12. How are the saints described in the last days? The New King James Version says, Revelation 14, 12, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Amen. Stephanie, I'm going to have you read Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9. We're saved by grace through faith, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to ask the question, why is obedience to the commandments so important to the remnant people of God? Read that for us. The New King James Version says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any one should boast. Mm -hmm. So, quickly share with us, Stephanie, why is it so important to remember that we're saved by grace through faith? We know who is our Father, mm -hmm. and that is the one that we love and we serve. Amen. John chapter 14, 15 says, 
If you love me, you keep, my commandments. keep my commandments. We don't keep the Sabbath or observe the Sabbath to be saved. We observe it as a reminder that we are saved yep. by grace, through faith, and Jesus Christ alone. Amen. We don't have to be deceived. And the one way that we can be sure we're not deceived is to follow him the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for Hope Sabbath School today. <laughs> you say, well, we're almost home. I'm so thankful for the reminder that Travis has given us. We've heard in our study that Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 8, verse 12. He's the light of the world. Let's follow him. We do not have to be deceived by the devil's lies. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we recognize that perilous times come in the end. And yet we're thankful for the reminder again today, Jesus, that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And that we do not need to stumble in darkness when we're following you. So I pray for each one who joined for this study today that we would do more than just know about Jesus, but we would follow Jesus, yes. our Savior and Lord and soon coming King. Trust in him for salvation now and for eternity. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. It's exciting, isn't it? An urgent message to a dying world. Reverence God, give glory to him. We're living in the end times, so draw close to Jesus and then go out and be a blessing to those around you.